one of the things I love so much about your play Eurydice is that you it's hard to categorize. How do you categorize it when you are forced to by some idiot interviewer? <laughs> Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 877, playwright Sarah Rule. Because I'm understudying three roles in Eurydice at Writers' Theatre here in Chicago's North Shore, I've been given the lovely opportunity to talk to Eurydice's author, Sarah Rule, who's had three plays become finalists for the Pulitzer Prize, including In the Next Room or The Vibrator Play, which was also nominated for a Tony Award. We began talking about Eurydice specifically, but our conversation also veers into talking about her wonderful book of essays called 100 Essays I Don't Have Time to Write, which I highly recommend. I'm always reluctant to categorize things by genre in the sense that I think where my heart really lives in theater is a mix between comic and tragic modes. Um, I think... I think I don't live so much in drama, um, but I I live both in comedy and tragedy. And I think Eurydice lives there. And, you know, the stage directions say something about the fact that hell resembles Alice in, in Wonderland more than it resembles a kind of Greek or Christian hell. So I think it's, there's something playful. There's something um, about a child's point of view that's also in the play. Yeah, we're all mad here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, one of the pleasures of being uh, a, an understudy in the Writers' Theatre production of Eurydice is that I get to see the how the play uh, comes to life and how it changes night to night. And fingers crossed, we'll never have to go on for any of the three guys that I'm uh, covering. Are you seeing three? I'm, I'm covering The Father, yeah. The Nasty Interesting Man, and Big Stone. Oh my God. Amazing. Having a blast. Um, but the other pleasure I've had recently is just reading your book of 100 essays. I don't have time to write, um, which is, I, I, I bought it, checked it out from the library and now I want to buy the paperback so I can go back and just highlight all these things, highlight all these sections. But one of the things you talked about is that you have, you are respectfully submitting a, a seventh um, dramatic structure with that you call Ovidian. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's speaking exactly to what you were just talking about, this meshing of genre, this idea that a play can be many, many things, not limited to, oh, it's a tragedy, it's a comedy, it's realistic, it's classical. Can you mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that? Because I just love it. Thank you. I and thanks for reading the book. I I've always loved Ovid. And I think I was deeply influenced by Mary Zimmerman's Metamorphosis too, which I saw when I was growing up here. And there's something about Ovid's tales where they're not moralistic, they're not heroes' journeys, um, they're stories. They're deeply embedded in a storytelling tradition of something happens, an event happens and someone is transformed. And often they're transformed quite suddenly. And 
I guess that is also my experience of life somewhat, that there are these sudden inexplicable transformations that kind of catch us out. And some are beautiful transformations and, and some are transformations to do with loss or illness. Um, so I felt like a lot of theater I love that has a kind of magic or a kind of lightness or air inside of it. And I would count Jessica Thebus's productions in a way as kind of texts um, that embody that spirit too. Uh, remind, remind me of Ovid and, and don't, don't feel like a kind of platform or structure um, that is taught in playwriting school very much, even though I do see it on the stage. Right. It, it's an accumulation of details more and, and experiences, sometimes natural, sometimes absurd. Mm -hmm. I love that phrase. It's an accumulation of experiences. I think that's right. And also um, refocusing our attention on the moment, the moment to moment states of being, rather than kind of watching this engine of a plot that that resolves. And one of the other things I love about this, the your scripts is it, certainly Eurydice is that it reads as a play, and that's one experience. But it is clearly also a piece of theater. In that, it requires movement. It requires actor interaction. It's not just dependent on the words to tell the story. It requires all the. The, the the abilities that theater can offer, all the art forms that theater can offer to tell the story, and it becomes a different story in the playing of it. Am I right about that? Absolutely. And I, I think one thing that drew me to the theater in the first place was I started as a poet, and I realized that plays could be three-dimensional poems mm -hmm. if you had all the right collaborators, you know, that you were kind of building this moving house uh, for actors, this kind of caravan. Um, and I grew up watching my mom act. My mom is an actress in Chicago. And I think really from a young age, loved watching actors work. So I, I love making things for them uh, that will hopefully let them feel embodied joy, embodied sadness, you know, be able to transmit that to the audience. Um, and to dialogue, which is like such an obvious thing for a player to say, it's like master of the obvious, but <laughs> truly listening to each other and being in dialogue, um, which is something you see on the page, but is experienced in a totally different embodied way when you see it on stage. Yeah, and there's something, again, is that some plays are great reading experiences and you see them on stage and that's all they are. Uh-huh. And this and Eurydice certainly has gains a whole other dimension when seen performed. I think. Oh, good, good, yeah. good. Um, you you mentioned lightness uh, a few minutes ago, and that's something you also talk about in your book. And I think it's one of the reasons I enjoy working with Jessica Thebus so much, is that one can tell serious, important stories with a sense of lightness. And you articulate that really well in the book, much better than I'm doing now. Not at all. I I think I just stole from Italo Calvino in the book and talk about how he described lightness. He has a beautiful definition of lightness. And I think we're so used to works of art being judged by their gravity 
or sort of their literary importance being judged according to gravity. And I tend to also love art that really soars and that has, you know, air in the souffle. Yeah, yeah, air in the souffle. What a great direction (laughs) to give to an actor. Oh, right. Air in the souffle. Rise, baby, rise. (laughs) I'm Nina Totenberg, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? This fall of 2023, we'll be performing the complete history of Comedy Abridged and the Ultimate Christmas Show Abridged around the U.S. Check out the touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Facebook page or our Twitter feed at Reduced for the latest information. Now back to my conversation with playwright Sarah Rule. I was making the impertinent observation that you're putting the play back in playwriting. <laughs> and in plays, there's a there should be a playful aspect to what to this work we do. Am I right? I so agree. And otherwise, God, do something else. I, I think that the ability of theater to make us play, to allow us to play to hold on to that childhood part of ourselves that knows how to play just as a state of being uh, is so beautiful to me. And I realized during the pandemic how much I really missed that Mm. more than almost anything else, you know, being in a rehearsal room and seeing actors play and, and sort of playing with them. I was in a workshop in New York recently and the director, Will Davis, who used to run um, a theater company in Chicago, uh, was doing wonderful, playful uh, (laughs) provocations with the actors who were rolling up rugs and carrying rugs, you know, and just, it was so moving to me because I hadn't seen that level of play in such a long time. What's it like being back uh, to see a production of Eurydice, which is sort of based on your childhood, inspired by, I think, the loss of your father? What's it like to see it back here on the North Shore, so close to where you grew up? It's very moving. I, you know, ran into someone who knew my French teacher last night, an old family friend, someone who knew my dad. It's a beautiful feeling of being in community. And I didn't see the play last night only because um, Brayden and I thought it might freak the actors out to have the play right there on first preview. So I'm going to come back later in the run and see it. One of the things I find fascinating about Eurydice also, speaking as a father whose daughter has just graduated from college and, and has left the nest and is now on her own, a daughter losing her father is one thing. A father losing his daughter is a second thing. But it's not just that relationship. This play looks at Eurydice's a young woman's relationship with all kinds of men. Did you come to that idea before you started writing, or was that a thing you discovered in the writing? I think I knew that I wanted to write a play about Eurydice and how she died twice in her point of view. I knew I wanted to talk about her young love with Orpheus. And I think I knew that she would meet her father there. And I knew that she would say his name and he was he Orpheus's name and he, he would turn. That's all I knew when I started writing. Oh, cause that's a lovely moment. Oh, that's really, that's interesting. Um, 
well, and as I'm also understudying the nasty, interesting man, mm-hmm. the nasty part right. is dialed up or down depending on the actor. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I've been watching him dial it mostly down. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because the situation is nasty. You know, it's a little creepy. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm just so delighted to have a playback in Chicago. I do consider this very much an artistic home. It's where I learned my craft. Um, it's it's where I continue to get inspiration from um, the people, the sense of place, even the prairie, you know, in a funny kind of way. Um, when I think of Eurydice, I see prairie, even though, you know, it's in a surreal <laughs> version version of the afterlife and and Braden tells me it's it's sort of set in um mid-century Florida which I totally love um but I'm I'm just I couldn't be more thrilled and I'm really excited to see it that's it for this week's reduced Shakespeare company podcast except for one more thing which I'll share with you in about 60 seconds so stick around Sarah Rule's Eurydice runs at the Writers' Theater through October 22, 2023. Go to writerstheater.org for more information. And for more information about Sarah's extraordinary body of work, visit her website, sarahruleplaywright.com. Send us your comic and tragic modes via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com or visit my website, theshakespeareance.com. Thanks, as always, to beautiful nymph Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Kirsten Romer Carolyn. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to National Public Radio's Nina Totenberg. And as always, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 877-2631sts of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. I was fully prepared to curse you for making me memorize the directions to your uh, father's fishing cabin. But it came out, it, it wasn't that hard. It wasn't as hard as I expected. Well done. Well, you can follow those directions and they are real and they lead you actually to what used to be my grandparents' house in Iowa. And someone else lives there now. Um, And I think there's a gun rack now where there was once, um, you know, my grand, my grandfather's hat. So I don't know. I don't know if you want to go in, but uh, but you can go there. (laughs) There should be a, a British style blue plaque on the house. Sarah Rule's grandparents fished here. That would be amazing. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. So much less. So much less. So much less. So much less.